thank you to our worship band for what they do. That is awesome stuff. Really easy to get up here and, and talk after they've already got us uh, ready to go. So thank you all so much, uh, worship band, for, for what you do. KB, I'm going to close your water bottle because I'm afraid I'm going to knock it over and spill it everywhere. And this is new carpet. We can't have water on our new carpet. So, <laughs> hey, uh, well, welcome. Hopefully you've been welcomed multiple times by now. Uh, but if you, if you haven't been, uh, welcome uh, once again to CCF's Dinner and a Message. That is where you are tonight. So whether you are joining us uh, live and in person or you're listening to the podcast or you're on the live stream, that's right. We're live streaming again, people. Yes, indeed. Uh, Sam and, and Brenton have worked very hard uh, for a while to, to get rid of the gremlins that were invading the live stream equipment. Apparently, somebody fed them after midnight and then splashed water on them, but that's okay. They got some sunlight in there, got rid of the gremlins. So if you didn't get all that, the movie was from the 80s. Y'all weren't born. I was. It's okay. Um, so gremlins. Ah, gremlins. Oh, they made a second one. Don't. It's awful. Grimless 2 is it's just trash. Uh, but anyway, however you're joining us, I am thankful uh, that you are. My name is Donnie Holiday. I am one of your staff members. I uh, had a little break for the last uh, couple weeks. Um, so excited to be back up here again because um, I've been doing what I do. I've been reading the Bible and learning about Jesus and learning about God. And now I get to stand up here and be like, check this out, y'all. This is so cool. Uh, because that's really what I see Thursday nights as, is an opportunity for me to share with you all what I've been learning, not at all an opportunity for me to try to show off in any way, shape, or form, because the more I read the Bible, the more I realize I need to read it more. Um, but I found out some really cool stuff about tonight's story, and I'm excited to share it. This is going to be one of those where I'm going to have to calm myself down a couple times, I can tell, because it's just good stuff. Um, so if you haven't been with us, uh, you don't know this, but uh, our theme is Kingdom of Heaven, uh, where heaven and earth meet. Every year we have a theme. Uh, it helps kind of rein me in so I don't just talk about who knows what. Uh, but this idea of where heaven and earth meet is, is very prevalent uh, throughout the Bible. shows up in what's called the Hebrew Scriptures. Maybe you've heard it called uh, the Old Testament before, but I prefer Hebrew Scriptures because old makes it sound like it's out of date, and it's not. Uh, but in the Hebrew Scriptures, that's where this tent-looking structure painted back here, it's called the tabernacle. That was basically the temple before there was a permanent uh, temple, and that was the place where God was said to dwell, where heaven and earth uh, met. And then later on in the Bible, when we get to what's called the, what I call the Greek Scriptures, because they're written mostly in Greek, the Hebrew Scriptures are written originally mostly in Hebrew, when we get to the Greek Scriptures, uh, Jesus comes on the scene, and in Matthew 4.17, in his first, really his first public statement ever, uh, he just comes out and says, the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Uh, that's, our, uh, that's our theme verse, the kingdom of heaven has arrived, that we've been kind of jumping off from um, all year long. Uh, some translations, if you're looking at that and you're like, what is the PNT? Well, that's the Phillips New Testament. Uh, not a very well-known translation of the Bible. I didn't know about it until I was on Bible Gateway and was like, I want this to be the theme verse, but I want a different phrasing because other, thing, other translations say the kingdom of heaven is at hand or it's come near. The old school ones say it hath come nigh, which sounds kind of churchy, but mm -mm, no, not doing that. Uh, so I just like has arrived because it makes it very clear that the kingdom of heaven, it's here. It's here and it's here now. It's not just this future hope. It's also a present reality. And the really cool thing, regardless of whether you're reading the, the PNT or the, the English Standard Version or the King James Version or, or whatever, because uh, there's a bunch of different... Uh, English translations of the Bible. 
The Greek word that here is translated has arrived literally means to join one thing to another. So that goes along perfectly with our idea of the kingdom of heaven being where heaven uh, and earth meet. So with our theme verse being from Matthew, we're spending the year not just in Matthew, but we're, that's kind of our jumping off point. Now, if you're not super familiar with the Bible, uh, Matthew is one of the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, named after the men uh, credited with writing them. Uh, these are basically Jesus' biographies, and they start off the Greek scriptures or the, or the, or the New Testament. Matthew's is uh, the longest one. We would not be able to cover it if we tried to go from chapter 1 to chapter 28, uh, even though uh, Bible chapters are a whole lot shorter than textbook chapters, thankfully. So read your Bible more than read your textbook, and you'll cover more. Just saying. Um, I'm not kidding. You really should. Um, But anyway, uh, that did not go over well. Wow. Um, Man, like five years ago, everybody would be like, Yes! But now the SAT scores just keep going up and the GPAs just keep going up and everybody's like, I have to read my textbooks. Anyway, uh, so we've split the year up into three, um, into three series. And right now we're looking at a series about parables. And parable is just uh, a bible word that means a story that Jesus told to explain uh, what the kingdom of heaven uh, is like. So we're gonna, we've been in that since the beginning of the year. We've got a few more parables that we're going to look at before we jump into our other uh, series. But... Uh, we're going to look at a parable tonight that um, it's going to hit, uh, quite honestly. I think it's, it's going to be very relevant. A lot of times people complain that the Bible's not relevant. Well, um, it very much is, and I think we're going to see that for sure in tonight's, uh, in tonight's parable. So I'm going to pray, and then we will uh, really dive in. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for loving us and taking care of us. Thank you for bringing each person here. Um, whether they're in the room or on the live stream or listen to the podcast later, whatever it is, God. And I just pray now that uh, you would get me out of the way, uh, that you would say exactly what you want uh, me to say, and that you would not let me say anything you don't want me to say. Uh, And I pray for all of us and for each of us to hear uh, what you want us to hear uh, tonight, God. Uh, We love you. Uh, Thank you for Jesus. So his name we pray. Amen. All right, if you spend any time around um, preschool age children or like early elementary age children, uh, especially in groups, it won't be long before, perhaps with tears or anger, but definitely frustration, that someone will complain that that's not fair. Look at that. Didn't even have to hold up a cue card. Everybody knew, right? Because fairness is just ingrained in us, or what we think of fairness. It's just ingrained in us. But complaints about that's not fair aren't just for children. I think complaints about fairness is at the heart of most of our hatred for group projects. Maybe you've seen the joke that when I die, I'm going to have the people in my group project be my pallbearers so they can let me down one last time. So, some of y'all haven't seen that. Okay, cool. Um, All right, so, why... I'm going to knock it over, so I'm just going to go ahead and hand you your water bottle, KB. Why do we hate group projects so much? And when I'm I'm down here, by the way, it's non-rhetorical, so... Okay, there's last-minute stuff. People have control issues. That's some honesty there for you. Good. I can do it better myself. Uh, people don't do their fair share. Creative differences. I don't like people. Did somebody say that? 
I mean, if not, it's pretty accurate. But yeah, right? What else we got? There's always that one person that does nothing. In some cases, there's, there's multiple people that do nothing. But yeah, they, they don't do anything, and they probably still get some degree of credit. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes back to fairness, I think. I think that is why we don't, we don't particularly like group projects, is, is it comes back to some extent to fairness. We'll get to some other things that it comes back to uh, in just a little bit. We're going to look at a parable tonight that is the first century equivalent of a group project. And it seems to be... Uh, it seems to have some very questionable fairness practices in it uh, as well. And I think it'll be uh, useful as we go through this tonight because uh, we're going to have an opportunity to see whatever we call fairness uh, from a different perspective. And I think that's always helpful. One thing I like to do with, you know, with, with talks y'all early on is just let you know why I think it's going to be useful and helpful. And it's always helpful to look at something from another person's perspective. Even if you disagree with them, even if you don't understand how in the world they come to their conclusion, it's always helpful to look at something from somebody else's perspective because if nothing else, then you know why they think what they think, even if you don't understand it. So it's always enlightening to do so. So I think this opportunity to look at something from a different perspective is, is going to be uh, really, really helpful. Now, we're going to be in a story uh, in just a little bit in, uh, in Matthew chapter 20. But first, I want to give us a little background into Matthew chapter 19, because I think it's super important. If, if you're not aware of this, um, when Matthew wrote his gospel, his account of Jesus' time on earth, he didn't put numbers to the verses and chapter numbers and headings. He just wrote it. Okay, Centuries later, people came in and, and put in the verse numbers and the chapter numbers, and then different English translations of the Bible have headings in different places. And I firmly believe there are places where literally every person who wrote whatever book of the Bible looks at our current Bible and is like, what are they doing? There should not be a break there. That should not be a chapter break. And I think Matthew thinks this about chapters, what we call chapters 19 and 20 because I think he's just like, are you kidding me? How do you break that up? If you ever want to read a translation of the Bible that doesn't have that, it's called the books of the Bible, um, which I know sounds kind of weird because aren't they all, but it's called the books of the Bible. Um, it's, a, it's an NIV, New International Version translation, which is one of the more uh, popular, easy-to-read versions. But if you find specifically the books of the Bible version, you can find it on Amazon like everything else. No headings, no chapter numbers, no verse numbers. It reads like a story because that's what the Bible is. So, but it, it is really cool because what happens when you don't have chapter numbers letting you know where you are, things sneak up on you and you're like, oh, huh, that's written in a context that I didn't realize before. And if you've been around here much, you know that for me, there's three really important things about the Bible, context, context, and context. So the context of this parable that we're going to look at is Jesus has just had a couple of personal interactions. He's had an interaction with a group of children, and he's had an interaction with a rich young man. Now, regardless of how much you know about uh, first century Roman-occupied Jewish-Palestine culture, who do you think's held in a higher regard, the group of children or the rich young man to culture? Yeah, the rich young man all day, every day. It's like that's not just a first century Middle Eastern thing. That's a pretty much for... For everything. But Jesus does what Jesus does. He flips the script. 
Or as one of our uh, CCF alums like to call it, he gives a little Jesus juke. <laughs> and when his disciples, his closest followers, try to stop the children, he's like, get out of the way, idiots. I want the children to come to me. Um, and the rich young man, he doesn't like run the rich young man off, but he gives him a challenge that he knows is going to be hard for the rich young man. And at least in Matthew 19, we don't see the rich young man answering that challenge. So Jesus welcomes in the children who are typically ignored, pushed to the side, and takes this rich young man and gives him a challenge that's very, very difficult uh, for him. So, and at the end of that, at the end of those encounters... Jesus says, this is Matthew 19, verse 30, the last verse of Matthew 19, many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Then he tells our story that we're going to look at tonight, uh, which is Matthew 20, verses uh, 1 through 15, commonly referred to as the parable uh, of the, is it vineyard, uh, workers in the vineyard? Boom. There. No, wait. Oh, no, did the animation not work? There it is. And then, after the parable, he says this in Matthew 20, verse 16. So the last will be first, and the first last. Maybe this is about these ideas. And maybe Matthew's like, hey, idiot that put a chapter break right there. You screwed up the whole thing. Because I think you really did. I think you really messed it up. Because this whole... Last to first and first last thing is, it's not like this is the only place this shows up um, in, in the Gospels, or in the Gospels, the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth. Um, shows up all over the place. But this is not something we like, quite honestly. I mean, imagine if y'all are in line at Sanford Stadium for the Kentucky game. Kicks off at 7, so you've been there since, you know, 9 that morning. Because um, you want to get a wristband to get into the good student section seats, right? That's how it works, right? All right, and so y'all are in line. This is how the line would look. It would not be a line at all. Um, and I come out of the gate with the wristbands. And I proceed with the wristbands. It's like, hey, how you doing? Y'all good? Cool. Good to see you. All right. And I just walk past all the people at the front. And I just come back here with my wristbands. And I start handing out my wristbands. Y'all are going to lose your minds, right? That's the last being first and the first being last. You're like, man, those are his kids. Of course he's giving them a first. A, a, what are you doing in the line? That's Brock Bowers right there, by the way. Um, <laughs> or it makes me think about, y'all. everybody knows who Robin Williams is, right? Please don't make me feel super old. Okay, great comedic genius. He did this stand-up bit where he did exactly what I did, and then he's like, ha-ha, we flipped it because now those are the crappy seats. But see, the first and the last, we don't like, y'all, see, y'all weren't even, like, Donnie made us turn around, we had to look, ugh. That's why I sit in the front, and some people are thinking I sit in the back to stay away from him, I ruined that for you, didn't I? But, but this first and last, and last will be first uh, thing, it's, it's really important. And this parable of the workers in the vineyard um, is exactly that. But here's the fascinating thing about this. Jesus shouldn't have had to tell this parable. He shouldn't have had to tell the parables of the workers in the vineyard that's about the last being first and the first being last because he just demonstrated it in chapter 19, which is all the same context, all the same thing going on. He said, let the little children come to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. He took people who were 
typically viewed as last, and move them to the front of the line. And then he took someone, the, the, the rich young man, typically viewed as first, and he didn't kick him out, but he was like, maybe you should step back and learn from these children. That should have been enough. But you know what often is true of people? We learn more from the hypothetical than we do from the actual. And man, church people are really good with this. Because like, you know, Sunday we're like, mm, go ahead, preacher, yes, amen. Or if we're not up for amen, we're like, mm. That's what you do if you're not comfortable saying amen yet. You're like, mm, mm, yes. And we, you know, we, 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 we amen and we um and we yes and, we, and we're like, oh, those people in that story, the Good Samaritan, the two people that walked by, the man that was injured, they're just terrible. And then we get in our cars and we drive to lunch and we see somebody on the side of the road with a flat tire and we're like, sucks to suck, I'm headed to Chili's. <laughs> because the hypothetical registers more than the actual. I mean, we know this. Folks, I, I, I've been doing this for a long time. I've seen people nodding in agreement with me about things that they don't agree with me on. In actuality, in hypothetical, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm like, you don't believe that. I know you don't agree with me on this. Um, But Jesus knew they needed this story, so he's going to tell it. It's a really cool story. Um, It's about 15 verses. We're going to read a little bit and talk a little bit and read a little bit and talk a little bit, and I've got questions, so I'm just going to come down here because it'll just be easier than me trying to back and forth it a little bit. So I'm going to be hanging out here for a little bit because i got a lot of questions that are not going to just be uh, hypothetical. And, and, and uh, whatever. There it is. Thank you all. The words. <laughs> words are hard sometimes. Okay, so here we go. Matthew 20, starting in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. This is a very common practice, y'all. A denarius, by the way, is a Roman coin that was valued at a day's pay. So that was what you got paid at the end of the day. Um, you got this denarius, which was the equivalent of, of a day's pay. This, this happened every day. Most people in uh, first century Jewish culture didn't have consistent jobs. They were day laborers. So they went to the marketplace in the town square, and they waited for somebody to hire them. And when it says he went there early in the morning... Way before your 8 a.m. Like when the sun comes up, these people woke up because that was how things worked before there were clocks. When the sun went down, you went to sleep. And when the sun came up, you woke up, which is great in the winter. You slept forever, um, (laughs) which does not sound bad, honestly. Um, But so these men got up and they got there early because they don't want to miss the opportunity to work. Because if if you're a day laborer and nobody hires you, you don't make any money that day. So this is a very common practice what we see here, kind of like when I started talking to y'all about group projects, and you're like, oh, yeah, we know those. When Jesus starts with these two verses, his, his audience is like, okay, yeah, we got this. We know what you're talking about. Then he continues, uh, going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And going out again about the sixth and the ninth hour, he did the same. Um, now to explain a little bit uh, what these third sixth and ninth hours are if you want a rough estimation think of 6 a.m as zero hour and so you basically just sit, add six to whatever hour it says this so the third hour is about nine in the morning the sixth hour is about noon uh, the ninth hour is about about three in the afternoon so he goes out repeatedly and then says 
Whatever is right, I will give you. You interview for a job, and, the per- and you ask about the pay, and they tell you, we're going to pay you whatever's right. How do you feel about that? Okay, maybe you're, maybe you're concerned about being taken advantage of. Okay, what is right? Ooh, is my right different from your right? What if you really trust the person and know them very well? Then you're probably like, all right, they're probably going to take care of me. So, kind of, so what we think about that depends on the, the situation, okay? All right, so he's got these four different sets of workers now. All right, we're going to keep reading. About the 11th hour, so the sun's legit setting, he went out again and found others standing, and he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said, nobody hired us. He's like, all right, y'all go into the vineyard too. And they're just happy to get some work. For some reason, they got overlooked uh, by everybody. Uh, we don't really know why. Um, by the way, um, that, that word there that says, why do you stand here idle all day? Uh, not the best of translations, uh, because it, it's not that they were lazy. It's more that they were, why do you stand here not working? Because nobody has hired us. That's the way it worked in that day. If you didn't get hired, you, you didn't work. So it's not like these guys slept until, you know, 2 p.m. And like, well, let's see if somebody will hire me. Um, they just hadn't been hired for, for whatever reason. All right, so everybody finishes. Uh, the sun's down. It's time for everybody to, um, to head home. And so when evening came, starting in verse 8, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. Oh, little switch there already. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought that for sure they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. All right, let's put ourselves in some uh, first century shoes. So they were probably barefoot because these are poor day laborers and if it's a matter of, you know, eating or shoes, you're going to go for the food over the shoes any day. You're one of the last workers hired. You're in this 11th hour crew and you get a denarius at the end of your work day, more like a work hour. How are you feeling about that? On the moon, On the moon okay? Thank you. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Andrew started. Andrew opened his mouth and then closed. I'm going to call you out, dude. A little guilty? Okay. Well, that's what I was going to say. She was going to say guilty too. So, but confused? Yeah. There's there's all the all the feels, right? Just like just watch Inside Out. Every single one of those. Maybe maybe not anger. We're going to get to the anger. Here comes the anger. How would you feel if you'd been hired first? We're going to get there, yeah. But, let, I mean, but it, there's going to be a little bit of, okay. That's, okay, yeah, so like I could have slept in too. I mean, I could have just worked an hour. So we're, we're, there's definitely going to be uh, some questioning and, and some grumbling. And I know there definitely is going to be because I've read the rest of the parable. So verse 11, on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Some translations say you treated us all the same. 
How dare he? Uh, but I really like you have made them equal to us. Because what's really upsetting the first hires? That they got what we got. They, the folks that slept, you know, they, they were hungover, and so they just staggered into the, into the marketplace at like three and just like whatever. And then you hired them, and you paid them the same as you paid. You made them equal to us. I mean, that's the problem. That's the whole issue. So let me, let me ask it. Let me ask this a little bit different way. So there's, there's five groups, okay? There's the first hires, the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and the last dudes, okay? And everybody gets a denarius, okay? What if these folks had gotten a denarius and these folks had gotten um, a, a Jewish coin called a shekel that's worth about half a denarius? So, all, so th- this group, the first hires get a denarius. This group gets about half of that in a shekel. Does this group complain? Why not? They got what they wanted. They got what they wanted, which isn't just a denarius, obviously, because they got a denarius in the first place. Oh, they wanted to be superior. Maybe the issue is not fairness. Maybe the issue is a little bit of selfishness, a little bit of superiority. They wanted to get more than the other folks. They wanted to win. They created a competition where there isn't one. There literally isn't a competition, and they just, poof, made one out of thin air. Like, you ever been around somebody who can create an argument out of thin air? You're like, what just happened? How are we in a fight? (laughs) That's what these folks, I mean, just out of nowhere. I I found a fascinating definition of competition uh, this week. It says it's a rivalry where two or more parties, again, that whole us versus them, and maybe some others of them, but two or more parties strive for a common goal which cannot be shared. A common goal which cannot be shared. The first hires, bless you, are mad because of the last hires' gain, even though their gain didn't hurt the first hires at all. Like competition is this person gains, this person loses. That's how the first hires feel. They feel cheated. Because they had, were given a generous gift and they, were, they got a great gain and the first hires feel cheated. They again created a competition where none existed. I mean, how competitive can you get? Which brings us to our question for tonight. If you're new around here, I like asking questions. I think questions stick better than statements. Especially if it's a first-person question that you'll ask yourself. So, pretty simple. How competitive am I? Yeah, some of us are like, oh, dang, Donnie, you said it was going to hit. Okay, and some of you are like, I don't even like sports. This is not just about sports. (laughs) You're like, I'm good, I don't like sports. I hate to break it to you, it's not just about sports. Grades. Y'all, I have heard so many stories about you have these group me's for different classes and people like post questions before tests and nobody answers. It's like, newsflash, if you get an A, I can still get one too. But it's just like, I'm not helping you. It's like, what is wrong? That's just, But anyway, so, but, but grades, jobs, 
recognition, you know, who cleaned that, who did this, whatever. Resources. Who knew in December of 2019 that there would be competition for toilet paper? (laughs) There are people who haven't bought toilet paper since 2020 because of how much they bought in 2020. (laughs) Like, that's... I think that's probably true, like seriously, because we made a competition where there was, oh, they've got toilet paper. Well, I need all the toilet paper then because they have some. What? No. I have ulcerative colitis and we didn't hoard toilet paper. If you're not familiar with what ulcerative colitis is, I poop a lot. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Am I so competitive that somebody else's good fortune makes me feel cheated? Because that's where the first hires are. Their good fortune, I told you I was going to get really excited about this one. Their good fortune makes me feel cheated. I mean, is that how I am? Am I so competitive that I believe the words of that great American philosopher, Ricky Bobby, when he said, if you ain't first, you're last? Carl was really fast today. Carl was really fast. I... I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, if you have not seen this movie, it is uh, awful and terrible all at the same time. I feel as your lead pastor, I should be like, maybe watch it on TV. Um, but, you know, y'all are adults. It's fine. Um, but here's the, th- here's the thing about that statement. Remember the scene, because it's not a Ricky Bobbyism. It's a Reese Bobbyism, R- R- Ricky's daddy. And remember when they're out in the street after they get kicked out of the Applebee's? And if you haven't seen the movie, you're like, what? If you've seen it, it makes perfect sense. And Ricky's like, I ran all those races for you because you were like, because you said it. If you ain't first, you're last. You remember what Reese said to him? I was probably high when I said that, Ricky Bobby. If you ain't first, you're last. That's stupid. You can be second. You can be third, fourth. Ricky, you can be fifth. That second place is the first loser. What? No. That's just, I had a shirt that said that in high school. I'm not kidding you. Um, goodness gracious. Um, and that year we finished second in the region. Look at that. God's funny. Um, but that's, that's crazy. And, you know, my, right now you might be like, hold on. Me. Like, is, is Donnie saying that competition is bad? All competition is bad? And my answer to that is, I'm not sure. Because actually this is something I had never considered until back last spring, uh, Angela and I and a group of folks were, were, uh, come, were in a, had gone to something for Atlanta, and we came back, and Angela's like, I want to talk about competition. I was like, all right. And, she's like, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know now. I'm not really sure. But I am sure of this. There's no room for competition in a kingdom where the last will be first and the first will be last, as Jesus says at the end of this parable. I mean, y'all, in that kingdom... Competition doesn't make sense. Now, if you've been um, paying attention, you might have noticed, hold on, you skipped from verse 12 to verse 16. Yes, I did. And verses 13 through 15 are hugely important. So here we go. But he, that's the landowner, replied to one of them, one of the dudes who's complaining, friend, I am doing you no wrong. And by the way, this term friend in first century Jewish culture was not, hey, buddy. This was, I don't even know your name. (laughs) Like, dude, what is your problem? Did you not agree with me for denarius? Trinity pointed that out at the beginning, that they got what they agreed to. Take what belongs to you and get on out of here. 
I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Now, I realize begrudging my generosity may not be a phrase we're real familiar with. So, a couple other translations. Uh, Instead of saying, do you begrudge my generosity, other translations say, are you jealous because I'm generous? Do you resent my kindness to others? Um, the, the questions in, in, in yellow there, does one of those really hit? Like, do you, does one of those kind of make you go, oh, okay, I kind of get what he's, what he's trying to, what the landowner is trying to say. Does one, which one, Nichols? The resent my kindness. The resent my kindness. Okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. We're so cynical right now. If somebody's nice to us, we're kind of like, mm, I don't know. Like, what's what's the catch? Well, y'all, we hear this all the time. At uh, yeah, so who, somebody said CC free food. Yeah, yeah. Olivia just said CC free food. There's no such thing as a free lunch. We're like, okay, you're right. We paid for it, but you don't have to. It's free for you. And it's just like, what's the catch? There's not. Like, we literally yell that. Free food, no catch. What's the catch? What did I just say? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting that they're jealous because he's generous. They're resenting somebody's kindness. I mean, that's just... Okay, so... They're irritated, mad, whatever, with the landowner. What, what, do you, what do y'all think? What do we think about the landowner as a whole? Seems like a good person. Okay. I think he could have paid the people less. Okay. Not a good business model for sure. Not a good business model for sure. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe he's just throwing it out there. All right. Yeah, we don't know for sure that the last hires weren't there at the same time. Maybe they got overlooked because they weren't the right people. Fair enough, fair enough. Lily, what you got? But what's interesting is the landowner doesn't care. He's equally generous to everybody, which I think goes to something very important to notice about this parable right back in chapter 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house. Jesus tells parables to tell us what God's kingdom is like, and in some cases to tell us specifically what God is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house. This is Jesus saying, here's what God's like. And, God ha- and Jesus tells this story where the God character is super generous, gets criticized for that generosity, but then has a very logical explanation for that generosity. Which if you're familiar with other parts of the Bible, maybe you've heard of something called the parable of the prodigal son. 
where Jesus tells this story about a father who has two sons. The younger son wants his share of the inheritance. He then gets it, leaves, wastes it, spends it, comes crawling back home. Dad welcomes him, throws a big party, is super generous when the son comes back. Older brother, really mad at dad's generosity. And then dad explains to the older brother, he's your brother, he's my son, we have to celebrate because he was as good as dead, but he's alive again. This is what God does. Overwhelming generosity that we complain about, but then if we look at it from his perspective, we see fairness from a God angle and we're like, oh, okay, I, I see what you're doing there. Let me ask this last big question for the night. What if everyone's wages had been kept secret? What if everybody gets their wages in a sealed envelope? They go home. They don't open them until they get home. They never see each other again. They never get an opportunity to ask, how much did you make that day? Did the first hires complain? No chance. So the issue is not how much they got paid. The issue is comparison. And it's not a far leap from comparison to competition. Bringing us back to our question again. How competitive am I? You ever posted something on social media just to one-up somebody else? Liar. <laughs> Somebody said no in case, the, um, in case the audio didn't pick that up. Um, hopefully, hopefully you're not lying. Um, if you have, that's competitive. Have you ever, have you ever felt really good about your weekend until Sunday night you're scrolling through Insta and then you see pictures of somebody else's weekend? Okay. I, th- I think that's a natural thing to do, but I'm not sure that it's a good thing. And y'all, that's comparison. And comparison, stuff like that, feeling good until we see something about somebody else is why there's a saying, comparison is the thief of joy. I mean, th- this is a thing. Comparison is the thief of joy. Now, joy is one of those one of those words where you're like, well, what does it even mean anyway? And I think for um, I think for for non Christians, if you're if you're not following Jesus, you know, for somebody that's not following Jesus, I, I think to equate joy with happiness, I can see why we would do that if we're not following Jesus. I I, I don't think it's accurate, but from that perspective, I can see why we would. But if we are following Jesus, joy is really all about intentionally ordering your relationships. Intentionally ordering your relationships. That's what joy means. Warning, really bad preacher joke coming. Really, really bad. But it's also really, really true. Joy is spelled Jesus, others, yourself. Okay? If you will intentionally order your relationships... In that way, comparison goes out the window. 
and competition, there's no place for it. If you recognize that Jesus is first, literally everybody else on the planet is second, and you're third. Bless you. Now, here's, think, here's something I want you to realize about this, this first, second, and third. You're still on the podium. If you think about, you know, the Olympics and stuff. You still got that bronze medal. Now, yes, the silver medal platform has 8 billion people on it. And Jesus is where he should be at the top. But if we don't do this, okay, if we don't do this, if we're all about comparison and competition, then we're going to start striving and striving, and we're going to strive to get that Y ahead of that O. And then literally, joy's gone. Okay, when we're competitive, and, and we're all about comparing ourselves to others, and all about, you know, well, their gain is my loss, so I better get some gain, and if that makes them lose, I don't care. If that's the way we're operating, we're striving to get the Y above the O and we have lost our joy. And not only that, we've completely missed the point of the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And more than that, we've missed the entire point of the good news of Jesus. Because Jesus said, love God, love people. You cannot love them if you are trying to get ahead of them. It just cannot be done. So again, our question, how competitive am I? I would encourage you to ask yourself a related question, which is how joyful am I? I'm not saying the two things are mutually exclusive. I'm not saying one can't exist without the other. But I think there's an inverse relationship for sure. I think as our competitiveness goes up, our joy level sure has a tendency and definitely a possibility of going down. Okay? Let's just be real. There are people in this, in this state, in this university, probably in this room, that if Georgia loses on Saturday, the whole weekend's going to suck. Okay? That's because our competitiveness is so high that we're losing joy. On the other hand, if we're not all that competitive, oftentimes joy's fine. I'm just telling you right now, I want Georgia to win. It will not phase me one bit. Okay? It won't. I think, yeah, I haven't watched all of a game yet this year. This is, now, that was not always the case. I was definitely the guy yelling at the TV and all that earlier on in, in, in my life, but Thankfully, a lot more joyful, a lot less competitive now. But when we're competing, it's hard to be joyful. And when we're competing for a place to push somebody else down so we can get ahead of them, there's no way we can love them. And then we have completely missed the whole point of the gospel. So ask yourself that and be willing to actually think about it. And in the meantime, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all as we forsake competition and comparison for the sake of joy. Let's pray, y'all.
God, thank you that you treat us way better than we deserve. Thank you that you are generous, uh, loving, and, and giving in a way that doesn't make sense. God, the, the, I mean, the world hasn't changed all that much. We're still competing with one another and, com- and comparing ourselves just like folks did when your son was, was here on the planet. Um, so, God, I just ask that you, would, that you would give us the courage to really look inside and ask ourselves, how competitive am I and how joyful am I? And God, if we have a hard time answering that ourselves, I pray that you would uh, let us know who the people in our life who we can ask them how competitive they think we are. And God, when we get an answer that we're not really happy with, may we have the humility to hear it. God, thank you that, that you define goodness. Thank you that you flip the script and you welcome children and you challenge the rich the rich young man, thank you that you see all of us and you know each of us and you know what each of us uh, needs. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen.